I'm back. <laughs> Hello, my friends. This is Davin Youngs, and this is season two of The Sound of You. Now, look, I know it's been a while since I came out with season one. It's been two years, actually. But I'm back, and I'm going to give this a go again.、Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that season one was very much a labor of love. I mean, I really worked hard to make evergreen episodes that, you know, you could go back and listen to now and they would still be meaningful and useful, especially if you're feeling lonely on your voice journey. But when I got done, I realized that I was trying to create my own version of this American life or something like that. I mean, I, I did all of this editing on my own and I created the interstitial music and I just worked my ass off. That's the truth. And by the time I got done with it, I was sort of over it. And so now I've been trying to wrap my mind around how to come back in a way that feels freer. It feels like it has more ease. It's a little bit more honest, a little bit more true to where I am now, and、uh, just allows me to connect with you, to share with you the wisdom and the knowledge that I've gathered over 20 years of voice coaching. My intention is to show up here in a way that will specifically appeal to you if you are interested in matters of the voice. It's tempting to want to try and define that word in the way that I want to use it, the voice, but I'm going to resist that temptation and just allow for whatever resonance you feel within when I say it, that deep knowing that you feel. I mean, some people will hear that and they'll think about the actual physical voice, the somatic experience of the voice, the voice in the body. And others will hear that and think about the metaphysical voice, the metaphorical voice, the voice that is the expression of who it is that we are. And to be perfectly honest with you, I mean all of that. It is my experience in over 20 plus years of coaching that you can't. Address any single part of the voice without inevitably addressing the whole person. And just naming this as true has become a real passion of mine because I think so many of us, so many of us that resonate around this voice work, we know that deep inside of us, but it can feel almost silly to say it. I mean, it's just singing, isn't it? No, no, it's so much more. If I'm honest, I've always known this to be true. I've known it deep in my soul, deep in my spirit. I've known it throughout my whole body. But for years, I was afraid to really take ownership over this element of the work that it is that I do. For years, I just taught voice lessons. And I can see now that that created a real tension within me. I mean, my whole life, I had known that. This work was so important. It was so essential to who I was. But in that space, I had been conditioned, and rightfully so, to think of it in a pretty straightforward manner. My job was to show up and teach someone how to sing better. I had good boundaries. I knew I wasn't a therapist, I knew I wasn't a counselor. And at the time, I wouldn't have laid claim to even being a coach. I was simply a voice teacher. But If you've ever had any sort of traditional voice training, you know that it's a complicated space. A lot of stuff shows up in that space. I mean, it's not uncommon for someone to cry in their voice lessons. 
it's not uncommon for trauma to be unearthed. It's not uncommon to spend the majority of your time in that space simply talking about problematic events in your life. It's just how it goes. And for years, I knew it was true, sort of with a giggle, but I never took ownership over my role in the nature of that relationship. And yet I was doing it. I was doing it many, many, many times a week with many, many, many different people. And without naming it, I inevitably ended up in this really complicated place where my soul was so tired that I had to take a break. I had to pause. I had to stop. And I couldn't even tell anyone why. All I could say was that I think I'm burned out. And so in 2018, I hit pause on voice lessons. I told people I was just taking a three-month break and that I'd be back. But the truth of the matter is I knew I could never come back in that way, shape, and form. I didn't have it within me to keep doing that any longer, but I didn't even know what that was. So as I took this three-month break, which of course went on a lot longer, I had to do a lot of soul-searching. I had to do a lot of inner work and consideration. And quite honestly, I look at that time to be one of the most spiritually rich moments of my life. It was lonely as hell. I mean, it was hard. I, I, I can't even tell you how lost I felt during that time. And yet that experience of being lost was immediately accompanied by a freedom like I had never known because if I was stepping away from this role as voice teacher... Who was I? Well, it took me a minute to find my answer, but I sure did. And when I found it, I knew it was true. I knew it was so true. And the answer was, I was a singer. I am a singer. And I just wonder if you hearing me say that, feel that resonance within you as well feel the alignment of those words. And just to be clear, that word, those words have nothing to do with your skill, your talent, your ability, and nothing to do with my skill and my talent and my ability and how trained I was, has everything to do with how it is that you want to show up in this world. I've known for as long as I can remember that singing and the voice were my best form of expression. And I meet so many people that know that too, but so few that have the courage to actually say that it's true about themselves. And so when I really started to take ownership over this, this deep knowing within my life, and I'll even just tell you, practically speaking, I made a commitment to myself that when people asked me what I did, I would answer them that I'm a singer. In the past, I maybe would have shied away with that. I would have said, you know, I teach voice. Um, that felt more palatable, a little bit easier to explain away. But when someone asks you what you do and you tell them you're a singer, they're inevitably going to ask you, well, what is it that you sing? And forever, I was terrified of that response. I mean, <laughs> terrified because I didn't know. I didn't know. I could sing a lot, but I didn't know what it is that I sing. But when I really started to lay stake to this claim that I am a singer and I started to say it to the universe and I started to say it 
to my barista and I started to say it to the taxi cab driver and I put it in my Instagram bio and all sorts of mundane ways in which we show up in this world, I felt a tremendous amount of fear and power and ultimately freedom. I really started to feel this essence of who I was was finally showing forth in the world. And not only because I was saying it to the universe and to my barista, but because I also began to prioritize my singing. I started to align my days so that the number one thing that I would commit to doing was using my voice, particularly through my own creative expression. I'd spent so many years using my voice to support others I had lost sight of the fact that in order to do that well, I had to first invest heavily in my time and energy and my money in my own voice. And what emerged creatively out of this time was especially surprising because it was sure a long way away from my days at the Oberlin Conservatory. If you know anything about my work creatively, professionally now, I create immersive sound healing experiences that rely heavily on my voice. I use my voice through electronic looping devices. I bring in sound healing instruments, electronic beats, and I create these soundscapes that last for an hour, an hour and a half. And people come and they rest in them and they allow for vibrational change to occur within their minds, their bodies, and their spirits. I look back and it makes sense that that happened, but at the time I could have never imagined it to be true had I not allowed myself to really heavily invest in my time, my energy, my money, my thoughts, just simply into exploring myself as a singer, allowing what needed to come forth to come forth and allowing for my deepest creative knowing to finally be expressed. And you know what else? I found my way back to teaching, but I didn't call it teaching anymore because there was something narrow about that title. I wanted to open this up to the reality of what the voice experience is and what the nature is of this work. I wanted to coach. I was ready to coach. I was ready to coach holistically. I spent years understanding the functionality of one's voice, but now I was ready to name how that function can be an essential tool in one's journey toward a freer life, especially for those who knew somewhere deep inside that their voice was the tool, that their voice mattered, that they too were singers in the broadest, deepest definition of the word And so I got my own coach and I found my way back into this work, into this coaching work in a format that felt representative of what it is that I wanted to do. And I tried to adjust my marketing so that I could really, again, name, speak to the truths of this work, that these weren't voice lessons. Like these were definitely not your grandma's voice lessons. These were transformational voice experiences. (laughs) It can sound like jargon when you say it. I realize it, but I mean it with all of my heart. I've seen people's lives be changed by this work, and I've known the experience myself because my life has been changed 
through the exploration, through the transformation of my voice. And so that's that's where I am. I'm so blessed to work with some of the most amazing clients. Like I'm watching people on the daily who are working so hard to use their voice in new and never before experienced ways. And as a result, not only are they changing their own lives, but they're changing the world around them. I mean, they're definitely disrupting the world around them as a result. I can confirm that. So my friends, that gives you just a little bit of context as to how I, how we ended up here. But I want to spend some additional time talking to you about why it is that the voice guides us to these places. You remember earlier I said that these sorts of things like crying and sharing about your childhood trauma often just happen in voice lessons? Well, I've grown to understand that there are many, many, many good reasons for this. And and I'd like to think about it in terms of, I mean, this sounds trite, but why your voice matters and why pursuing your freest, most authentic expression is a noble, courageous act, and why the path at times feels wrought, why the path feels difficult and uneasy. I mean, all of us know to a certain degree that our voice carries with it an expression of truth, regardless of how we feel about our voice. And and for that reason, for a lot of us, this is something that's very difficult to confront and can carry with it a lot of tension because if you don't like your voice, if you feel uncomfortable with the nature of your sound, it's hard to admit that there's some truth in that sound. But think about it to begin with from a purely physical standpoint. Your voice is of your body. Your voice is the sound of your body. It's the sound that your body makes when you conceive in your mind that you need to express yourself and you coordinate in your body with ligaments and tissue and cartilage and you create vibration that bounces off all of the hard and the soft surfaces in your face and your neck and your throat and it echoes out into the world and it's the sound of you as created by your body. And your body carries with it so much richness of information It carries with it so many experiences that have shaped and formed how it is that it is able to move about this world, both good and bad. It's all worked into this system and how it moves and how it coordinates and how it is informed what feels safe, what doesn't feel safe. And even if we just get down to the nitty gritty of it, think about this actual meat sack that you're in. (laughs) Think about the shape of your nose, the shape of your jaw, the inside of your throat, the way in which your chest is able to take in air. I mean, this is an expression of your ancestors. There's a good chance you look like someone from the lineage from which you come. If you've got your grandma's nose, there's a chance that the sound you make is similar to hers in that regard. Not the same, it's different. It continues to shape and evolve. But you are very much an expression of your ancestry. And your voice, as manifest by your body, is a continuation of the sounds that have been made that ultimately made you. 
You feel that blowing your mind? It's pretty epic when you consider it. But also back to those, those experiences. I mean, sort of on the mundane level, there's a way that the people around you spoke when you were growing up. There's music that they listened to. There were accents. There were inflections. There were sounds that you heard. And all of those got sort of baked into how it is that you also communicate with the world. You might have similar inflections. Like when you joke, you might have a similar laugh. Your voice starts to get used similarly to those around you that are most influential. Often our family, our friends, our community, the region from which we're from. So the sound of your voice by its very nature, no matter how much it has shifted and changed over the years, carries with it that information. It carries with it. You know, I'm aware that I sound pretty Midwestern. I do my best not to lean into that accent too hard, but I know that, uh, that I sound like I'm from Michigan where I'm from. And if you were to analyze my sound, you could figure that out. And you know what? I sound a lot like my family. I sound a lot like my siblings and my folks. And for better or worse, we have a lot of similarities in how it is that we communicate. So when you meet me, when you hear me speak, when you hear me sing, you're going to maybe on a subconscious level or consciously know some truth about who it is that I am, where I'm come from, what my story is. It's all cooked into the sound of my voice. And I think all of us kind of know this on a deep, visceral level. We know that we're being known when we use our voice. That's one of the reasons why it's scary. It's exposing in a way. There's sort of just a basic level of exposure that one experiences just by making the sound of their voice happen. But okay, maybe your family of origin and your region that you're from, etc., doesn't feel like that big of a deal, that significant in terms of exposing the truth of who you are. There's a lot of other stuff at play here, too. And a lot of this brings us quickly to the theme of safety around situations regarding our voice or regarding our life that put us in the path of seeming danger or experiences that put us in a path that felt freeing and exhilarating. Those two things can be quite close at times. And this is true, particularly with the voice. But you may have had experiences in your life where it didn't feel safe to use your voice. Whether it was said to you explicitly or it was just implied, there are plenty of times where we feel as though it's too dangerous to actually express ourselves, too dangerous to be heard. And that fear, I mean, how does that creep up in the body? Think about it particularly if you're a young child and you have that sort of natural freedom that young children have in terms of how they're willing to express themselves. No fear, no concern. Sound is merely an expression of how it is that you feel in the moment, whether that be happy or sad or angry or joyful or whatever, hungry, have to have a diaper changed. All of that gets expressed by whatever sound comes out as a result of the experience, the feeling, the sensation, the emotion. But somewhere along the way, we get these messages at certain times that that's no longer acceptable, that's not safe, that's inappropriate to do. And so we have to learn to suppress those sounds. 
And sometimes those messages are so significant that the suppression feels like survival. Like that the opposite of suppressing your voice would be carry with it the possibility of death. And death might seem like a dramatic word to use, but truly when we think about the human experience and we think about safety and we think about fight or flight mechanism, we think about our nervous system response, this has very much to do with survival. So let's say you were in a situation where using your voice, expressing yourself freely carried with it the possibility of physical harm. That suppression is a natural defense mechanism for staying alive. And it's not unusual to confuse that with the circumstance where, let's say you were a young person and you had the opportunity to sing on stage and you messed up. You missed the note, your voice cracked. And in the moment, you perceived that that mess up would then result in a rejection from your tribe that potentially those who loved you no longer would. And what carries with that rejection? Well, in our human experience, the possibility of death, the possibility of being left alone. And so what is the physical experience of all of this? What is the somatic experience of all of this? Well, think about it. What does fear feel like in your body? A racing heart, a flushed face, a clenched throat, shaky knees, sweaty palms, sweaty armpits. I mean, these are all classic stage fright symptoms, but they're also responses that have been conditioned into your body based on experiences that you've had. Now, it's not all doom and gloom, though, because the opposite is possibly true as well. You might have had experiences when you were young, or even more recently, where you let your voice free and you confronted that possibility, that possibility of being rejected from the tribe, and you experienced some level of success. You experienced some level of being received with love. You experienced affirmation. This is so huge because then we start to rewire the brain rewire the nervous system, and rewire the responses in our body to acclimate to the possibility not just of death, but of free living. I, I liken this to riding a roller coaster. Some people love to ride roller coasters. Some people hate to ride roller coasters. I enjoy a good roller coaster personally. But there is this possibility when you're in a roller coaster and there's very much this experience in the body when you're in a roller coaster that you might die, that you very well could plummet to your death. And this is why people like to ride roller coasters. This is why people do a lot of things in their lives, because it feels like bumping up against the edge of human existence. It feels like flirting with the unknown of the possibilities between life and death. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, if you had the experience in your life of falling out of a roller coaster and you um, had the great fortune of being able to survive that, there's a good chance you wouldn't likely ride a roller coaster again. Such is true with many people and their voice, particularly as it relates to singing. But 
if you rode a roller coaster and you walked away pretty safe and you were able to keep your nervous system in check just enough to track what was actually happening in the experience, you might walk away from that roller coaster going, oh yeah, let's do that again. And this is exactly what happens to most of us when we bump up against those moments of free expression with our voice, when we let the sound of our body echo forth into the world and it is received with just enough affirmation and love that bounces back to us and reminds us that we are not about to die, but rather we are about to live more freely than we've ever lived before. And you know what? Our body then starts to respond differently too. The experience isn't, shall we say, as dramatic. We start to be able to create balance in these high impact moments, these high pressure moments. The sweat in our armpits maybe isn't quite so bad and our knees aren't shaking quite so much and our face maybe it doesn't get quite so red. We start to be able to regulate our response and we start to be able to just enjoy the adrenaline, the oxytocin, the dopamine, all of the good hits that come along with this experience. So this body, your body, the body that makes the sound, it's incredible. It's magical that it carries with it all of this information, all of this experience. And it's amazing that it makes it available to the listener, to the world. It's amazing that you only vibrate like you and no one's ever vibrated like you before and no one will ever vibrate like you again and that your unique vibration, the vibration of your voice, the, the sound of you that echoes from your body, it goes out into the world and it vibrates that which is around it uniquely to you. Your voice has an influence on everything that it touches in a way that no other voice could. And this is why it's a big deal to stand in front of someone and sing. This is why it's a big deal to confront the truth that is your voice. This is why it's a big deal to honor this gifted instrument, this instrument that carries with it your stories. Speaking of which, let's talk stories for a minute. Because I've been focusing here on the physical, the somatic aspect of what it is to use your voice to make your sound. And quite honestly, in the work that I do, I always begin there. And the reason I do that is because it's the most objective part. The truth of the matter is there is an objective functionality to how your voice works. But that gets confused because of stories. Now, stories are an essential part of who it is that we are. The mythology around your life and how you've come to be who it is that you are right now, it's one of the key ways in which you reflect to the world who it is that you are and who it is that you want to be. But often, stories aren't based entirely in the reality of the experience. So if we look back at those experiences... Maybe some from childhood where you felt like it wasn't safe to make certain sounds. Sometimes your story that you have created around that isn't an actual reflection of the way in which the experience unfolded. It was simply your perception of the experience. Now, I don't say that to negate your experiences not being true. 
It's 100% true. But when you go back and you look at it, particularly in hindsight, you might be able to see more clearly that the way in which you read the situation, the way in which you experienced the situation, carried with it more, shall we say, venom than the actuality of the experience. It brought more danger into the storyline, into the plot, than might have actually been there. Consider this scenario. Consider there's a little kid, let's say age six, and they are just being noisy. They're making lots of noise. They're singing, blah, 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 around the house. They're playing. They're doing their own thing. And their parent has been putting up with this noise for a really long time. And they finally reached some level of frustration where they say sort of haphazardly, hey, would you knock it off? Would you keep it down? And the parent is um, feeling pretty innocuous in how it is that they're expressing what they're expressing. But the child in the moment gets the message that it's not right to make sound. The child maybe gets the message that their voice isn't good. It sounds bad. Sort of catapulting the story into a binary about yes, no, right, wrong, good, bad. And maybe from there forward, the child has some hesitancy around that freedom that they might have had in the past. Now, whose story is right or wrong here? I mean, would you ever tell a five or six-year-old that what you perceived was incorrect and how you feel is wrong? And can't you feel some sympathy for a parent that just needs a moment of peace, a moment of quiet? My point is in this is that it's very nuanced and we are all the result of our own experiences. And so as we get older, as we start to step into ourselves more fully as adults, as people who can confront our own pasts, it's important to reconsider the stories that we may have told ourselves over an extended period of time. And I'll tell you from my work that people have a lot of stories around their voice, a lot of stories, and they will reflect back to me some incredibly significant traumas or some seemingly innocuous situations, and both will have impacted their voice and how it is that they're willing or able to use their voice significantly. So this path, this journey, it's a way into better understanding our stories. It's a way into literally hearing the sound of our voice reflect our experience through story as a means of better understanding what the story is and how it relates to how it is that we are in the world now. As much as our voices and our stories carry with it our history, all we actually have is who we are right now. So when I work with a client and they come to me with a long list of their many experiences and successes or failures with their voice, I listen to them compassionately. I care to hear that story. But when it comes to actually doing the work, the work of finding a freer, more authentic, more easeful sound, I have no choice but to let go of their stories. I have no choice but to observe what is true right now here in the present. And I can tell you from personal experience that nine out of 10 times, the stories that people tell me do not match 
my experience of their voice in the present, in the present moment. In fact, I would even go so far as to say that often they sound better than what their stories might reflect. I mean, I don't necessarily mean they sound more skillful because let's say you haven't used your voice freely, you haven't sung in many years, there's a good chance that you'll come back to singing or the voice now and struggle to do some of the things that you did. But there's an honesty, there's a truth to the reality of your voice and how it is that you're able to use it that I think anyone would be attracted to now because it's you now. The person who cares the most about you then and what you used to be able to do and all the stories that got you to where you were, it's you. But the rest of us, when we hear you sing, when we hear your voice, when we hear you express yourself freely now, we only care about you now, the sound of you now, that magical sound, the sound that makes new stories, that takes those old stories and integrates them to create something unexpected, something one could have never imagined prior to this moment. That's what I'm interested in. That's what I'm excited by. That's what makes you, you right now. And when you're able to embrace that, when you're able to show up and allow that to be, you break free of the chains of your past stories. You vibrate differently and the world around you vibrates differently. You change and you change me and everyone else who gets to listen to you as you are right now now. But I get it. That's scary. It's scary for all of us stepping into the unknown, not knowing what lies ahead. That's terrifying. I mean, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to go back to the roller coaster analogy for just a moment. So let's say you did fall out of a roller coaster and let's say you did survive. And let's say you wanted to confront this fear because it was crushing the rest of your life. And so you just knew that you had to get on that roller coaster again. And so you did all sorts of research and homework and you got on a roller coaster that had never had any accidents. And you talked to the engineer and you found out about all the different ways in which this roller coaster was 99.9% safe. And so with the aid of some friends who love roller coasters, who were willing to go on with you, you got back on that roller coaster and you survived. You didn't fall off. You didn't die. In fact, a little part of you enjoyed it. Maybe not because it was a roller coaster, but maybe it's because who gets back on a roller coaster after they've fallen off of it? I mean, only someone who's incredibly courageous and incredibly brave and maybe just like a little bit stupid. (laughs) I mean, this is true of singing as well. I mean, what person in their right mind stands up in front of other people knowing everything that I'm telling you? I mean, it's a little crazy, but that's why it feels so dang good. So body, story, Let's talk a little bit about spirit because this is where I'm going to get really excited. To sing is an act of spiritual devotion. Now, I don't care what wisdom or religious tradition you come from or even currently subscribe to. I, I don't even care if you're atheist or agnostic. Let's just put it this way. Let's think about 
singing as surrender, and surrender requires the notion that there's something greater than you. Maybe that's the universe, maybe that's God. But to sing is to participate in the cosmos, to participate in the vibrational trajectory of the whole universe. There's a reason that all of the world's great creation myths begin with sound, and often specifically with a voice. I mean, even the science, the best science that we have, denotes that the beginning of the universe began with a bang, with a sound, with a noise. The universe is vibration. The chair on which you sit right now or the ground on which you walk, although you perceive it to be still, it's moving. There are atoms and molecules and particles that are constantly shifting and vibrating and in motion. And you too, your whole body, everything about your being is comprised of the same components that make up this universe, the same components that have no choice but to vibrate, to shift, and to move. But you and I, we have a choice. We have consciousness. We can choose to contribute our vibration move. And so when we make sound, when we consciously vibrate our being, when we, as a result, vibrate everything that is in close proximity to us, we show up and we participate in the mystery that is the universe. We participate in the mystery that is being alive. We participate in the mystery that is this body and our willingness to do that, it is by its very nature devotional. Could this be why most of the world's great religious and wisdom traditions center singing when it comes to worship, when it comes to praise? Not only do they center singing, but they center group, collective singing, and more on that later. But there's an incredible power in this kind of participation. To sing is to offer one's body. To sing is to offer one's spirit. To sing is to give up all that I am to all that I don't know. Does that make sense? Are you following me here? So when I go back to what I said to you earlier about the word singer, to lay stake to the claim that I am a singer in the full body, deep knowing that comes with that, when I say that, I'm not just saying I sing, I'm saying I surrender to the mystery that is the universe. And I'm saying that I know that my voice is a necessary vibrational component to how this whole thing works. And I'm saying that my voice is the primary medium through which I choose to express my awe and my joy and my wonder and my grief, and my sadness, all of it. It's how I need to show up to express all of me because the world requires all of me. The universe requires all of me. It needs all of me to fully vibrate. It needs all of me to uniquely vibrate. It needs all of me to positively contribute to the vibrational trajectory of it all. Now, that's a macro point of view. I get it. 
But if you're standing in front of someone or you're standing in front of a group of people and you're trying to make yourself heard and it feels like a big deal, consider your body, consider your story, consider the spirit of it all. It is a big deal. It's a huge deal. And that is why your voice matters. That is why I need my voice to be heard. And that is why you need your voice to be heard. And that is why when you sing, you offer your voice in its fullest, freest vibration. And we're all depending on you to do it. Can we just take a deep breath? Because that's a lot. It's a lot to process. It's a lot to hold. But it's also exhilarating. It's exciting. It's empowering. It's part of what it really means to be human. It's definitely what it means to be a singer. So my friends, thank you so much for joining me in this collective journey of voice, this collective journey of the sound of you. In future episodes, we are going to be talking about the particulars that arise in voice coaching. We're always going to be doing this dance between the specific, the particular, and the universal because that's just how it all works. We're going to talk about what it means to center your voice on your healing journey. We're going to talk about what it means to prioritize your creativity, your creative expression, your self-expression, what it means to be able to express yourself freely and authentically. We'll talk to others about their journey and how it is that they have um, proceeded along the voice path. And I just hope you'll hear this as an invitation to you, you the singer, an invitation to the sound of you. All right, before I go, I did want to remind you that I have released my very first on-demand course. I'm not in love with that word course. This is hopefully more inspirational than that, but it is a series of videos and exercises that are all around breathing and breath for singing and the voice. It is called Inspire. There are nine videos. There are a number of practice tracks. Um, you can find it through my website, davinyoungsvoice.com. And it's currently at a reduced price, and I would just highly encourage you to jump on that. This is my absolute best coaching and teaching around breathing and breath. I dig into the basic functionality of your breath. You'll walk away from this course understanding more fully how it is that your breath even works in your body, what it means to have breath technique that will be more efficient in terms of making your sound. And I dig in a little bit more to the metaphysical aspects of what it means to breathe well, what it means to be inspired. So if you're looking to work with me, this is a great place to begin. Also, I wanted to remind you about my custom vocal warm-ups, which are pretty unique. I don't know anyone else who really does this like this. And here's the gig with this. All of us have at one point in time gone, I wish I had warm-ups that were specifically for me. I wish I knew the exercises that would point me toward more vocal freedom. And if you're not actively participating in voice lessons or voice coaching, it can be difficult to find those. So you end up Googling, you know, best warmups for singing and you find some YouTube video and then you go, I don't know if these are right. And there's a problem with all of those videos. They're not custom to your voice. 
There is so much specificity to your voice. And while there are many universal things about the voice in terms of how it works in your body, it is specific to you. So in my custom vocal warmups, you make the purchase on my website, davinyoungsvoice.com. We set up an appointment. We spend 30 minutes together. I hear you sing. I take you through exercises. I get a sense of your voice. And then I go and I create 30 minutes of exercises and warmups to set you up for more success in how it is that you're able to use your voice. Now, these aren't a replacement for long-term one-to-one teaching or coaching, but they are incredibly useful in terms of maintaining vocal health and potentially finding more freedom and ease in how it is that you are using your voice when you're singing or even just throughout any given day when you're speaking and when you're communicating and showing up in the world. So again, check those out at davinyoungsvoice.com. All right, that's all I've got for now. If you've enjoyed this episode of this podcast, if you found it to be useful and you think it might benefit someone else, by all means, please send it to them. Please text it to them or post it in your Instagram stories or on your Twitter, share it on Facebook. Make sure to tag me at Devin Youngs. If you want to give me feedback on this, by all means, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email, connect with me. And please, if you feel compelled, write a review. The reviews really matter as it relates to the algorithm that is the podcastoverse. So I hope you'll participate in that and help me continue to spread the gospel of singing and the voice. And I hope that you'll utilize the beautiful, wonderful sound that is the sound of you. Until next time, peace. Thank you.